Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Tom, these are always the best shows because we go way back into your past and we have people who saw you as a knucklehead in northern Michigan. We have someone who arguably who had a better career than you did coming out of northern Michigan and yeah. should be the most famous northern Michigan alumni. Not you, not Dallas Drake, but today we have the president general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes and a Stanley Cup winner. We have your old defensive partner, Don Waddell, on the show. Oh, man. You know what I think about when I think of Don Waddell? I think about this green <laughs> green pickup chart, the entire staff in front. So Don went to the driving school where you drive as close as you can to the rear bumper of the person in front of you. Don Waddell, how you doing? Really good to see you. Uh, I'm excellent, Tom. Glad to be with you. It's funny. I was an agent for what, 22 years, and you were a GM the whole time. We never, we did one deal at the end of my career with uh, Chris Mason, right? That's all we did? That's all we did. You're just too hard to negotiate with. <laughs> uh, oh, funny. All right, Don Waddell. So Don and I go way back. So I obviously know all his stories. So I'm going to ask questions that uh, I already know, but... Uh, Where'd you grow up? Grew up actually in the city of Detroit and uh, lived there until uh, we expanded out to Marquette, Michigan at good old Northern Michigan University. Uh, so we we never actually roomed together, right? We were sweet mates, right? I mean, like I was in, was that one was? Yeah, that was, uh, that would have been a little too much for me to be with you. 24 slumping, but uh, I think we spent many, many days and nights together at different times. And yes, we did. Oh, and just yeah. Rod. Yeah. Don, I want to ask you, so you get to Northern Michigan and you start practice and then they put you with this guy. What are you thinking at the time? Well, when I first looked at him, I said, uh, good thing he's big and strong because he can't skate, he can't handle the play. <laughs> <laughs> he's not lying when he says that either. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was, uh, I think it was a pretty good hit right off the bat. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, my famous, we, we had a play that we worked on. Uh, it just naturally happened. And then it became pretty where where Tom would go back, get the puck, and start behind that. And I would do my usual curl as a thinking I was more a forward and defenseman, and pick up the puck behind the net and try to go end to end. So uh, we uh, we had quite a few little ways that we used, and you know, and, and I can tell my uh, my favorite story about Tom, of course, is I think it took you a couple of years to score a goal. I don't remember what. What year was it when you scored your first goal? I scored one uh, each of my first two years. One goal. Okay, good. So his first goal scored, uh, we were at home, uh, good old Lakeview Arena, and uh, 
he scored the goal and he went to center ice and uh, took off his helmet, took that Christian brother stick that was the old wood sticks that weighed about 20 pounds and uh, broke it right over his head. Wow. I never seen anything like it before. <laughs> and I'll never see anything like it again. And, <laughs> and sure. I there with the, the two pieces licking at his, and like screaming at the goalie from the other, at the other end. <laughs> what, is, what is wrong with you, man? Oh, there was there was a story guy. So we worked at a hockey camp there in the summer, and the little boy broke, like, cracked the stick. So I took him and broke it over my head. It was cracked. And so they said, well, you can't do it with a stick that's not cracked. I said, sure, I can. So I take it and break it over my head. So Don knows. I mean, you were like this, too. But any, any kind of a challenge, we had to do it, right? So, yeah. uh, so then at the end of the week, parents all come. There's little screaming. Parents come to the kitchen. He brings hockey sticks over his head. So I had to break a couple of hockey sticks over head there. <laughs> You'll never do it during a game. That's good. That was one challenge that, uh, well, I think you're up for most challenges, but that one, yeah. I think, uh, was in front of uh, our full house at uh, Lakeview Arena. Yeah, it was a lot of fun for all of us involved. I remember Coach Conley did not know what was happening. He was speeding 100 miles an hour past the ball. It was skating fast for me. And uh, I went to, the referee actually came to me and said, uh, I said, Lila, I should have given you a 10 minute misconduct, but I couldn't believe you were doing it. <laughs> But you thought you're, you know, I want to bounce around a little bit, but I, I really got to tell you, and I've said this to you personally, you really, uh, Tom was halfway joking, but your career after the game, after playing, like you really have done a great job. And so like building, why don't we, why don't we start with that? You know what? Let's, let's start with after your playing career got done. You had the, you, you were with, drafted by the LA Kings. What round did you get drafted in? Uh, seventh round. Seventh round. I was sixth round. So I beat you on that one. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, uh, the career by, by, yeah. I guess we could tell that little story. So I get called up in the 88-81 season. And uh, who are we playing in L.A.? The New York Rangers. <laughs> uh, uh, I I ended up playing one NHL game in January of 81, and it was against uh, Tom and the, the good old Rangers. And, uh, and what did I say? What did I say to you? Tom I- was very well. He was very welcoming when he saw you, right, Don? You're his old. Uh- yeah, I, like, like, what the hell are you doing here? Uh, <laughs> I was playing. We were, we were that year. We were in Central Hockey League. Our team folded at Christmas time, and so uh, Red and Blair, our director, player Pascal, sent about five of us to Saginaw. So I was in the International Hockey League. I was in Saginaw, Michigan. And I got the call about ten o'clock on the, the night before the game. Took a six o'clock flight in the morning. I got in. The, I went right to the arena. Got there at five o'clock. Um, and just got ready to go out for warm up, and so nobody really knew I was there. It wasn't like today's uh, postings for Twitter and X and everything else you have going on. And I remember skating on the ice, and he looked at me and he said, "What the hell are you doing here?" There's <laughs> <laughs> a memory I won't forget. When you only play one game, you don't forget it. So, right. and then you get stuck on force with Ron Greshner, who can, can stick out El Belly in the National Hockey League. We went down, scored. Yeah, Rob Grester came down. It was really a one-on-one on me. And uh, Jerry Cora, known as uh, King Kong there, came over and tried to throw that big hip check and missed the rod and hit me. And I fell to the ice, and I have a great photo of me laid on the ice as Mario Lass- uh, Rob Grester went in and top shelf it on Mario Lassard for first shift minus one. Oh, you, oh, you've got that picture. I didn't know that. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got that picture. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't that, like, was it for your, what, or your 60th birthday or something? Your wife found that you got a hold of the jersey you were in that game, too? Yeah. She called Jack Ferrara, unbeknownst to me, and, and, and Jack, uh, started making some calls to be new on the old equipment managers from the Kings. And he actually had a pile of jerseys in his garage and he went and looked at, sure enough, 
there was that jersey there were 29 and uh he still had it so my wife surprised me for it, it was uh, a cool. great gift yeah yeah that's very cool very cool all right so uh then you hurt your eye at some point playing right yeah i went to, uh, you know after i went back and played in the minors for a couple of years then i went to europe and actually had a two-year contract came back one summer and uh a friend of mine was starting a summer league in detroit and he just asked me to uh, help promote it so the first game i went out and played uh 10 minutes of the game i got a butt end in the eye Lost my left orbit uh fractured my left orbit had a plate put in and so i stopped playing for about six months and then uh had lost the opportunity to go back to europe and played another uh, three or four years in the eye came back had actually retired and then i came back when rick dudley was coaching there as a player assistant coach um uh, and rick got a job to go to new haven la's farm team and i was 28 years old they offered me the coach gm job couldn't say no, but it was in way over my head. Uh, we won 21 games that year. That started my career. And uh, one more year in Flint uh, as a general manager, working with the Rangers as their farm team. And then went, started the franchise in San Diego. And the uh, old IHL 90, stayed there all five years. That franchise, that franchise moved to LA. I went to Orlando and started another new franchise with the DeVos family who owned the Magic, 95 through 97. And then I was fortunate when Ken Holland took over as a general manager of the Red Wings. He brought me there as an assistant general manager. And one short year there and won the cup, got the name on the cup. And oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Great, uh, great year, great memory. And, and so the summer of 98, I got offered the job by Ted Turner to come to Atlanta and, and start that franchise. So I was in Atlanta from, I, I locked the doors and locked the doors at the end, which very few people could say they did. Isn't that true? I forgot about that. That's true. Yeah. yeah. 2011 so uh and then i went and worked for ray Sherrill for a couple of years as a consultant with him in pittsburgh and uh then uh pete carmanis who owned the carolina hurricanes at the time asked me in 14 to come in and run the uh, business side as president of the team so i came in at 14 and then in 2018 when our new owner took over tom dunn and he asked me to take over the hockey side too so um, that brings us to date today as president gm here got it all doing it all uh, so do you think he kind of got the reputation of kind of like the fixer? I, like, is like the league and, I'm, and you won't toot your own home, so I will. I don't think you told me this. Somebody else did that. The league uh, would be commanding us on the team. We wanted to sell it, uh, but they were losing a lot of money. Uh, the books did not look good. So the league, I think suggested that you go in there and fix it for him. You got it to the point where he could sell it and make a lot of money. But that ultimately is a point where it was a break even proposition. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. You know, in 14, when I got here, you know, Pete told me that, you know, his plan was to try to build up uh, the value of the franchise and, and, and potentially sell it. You know, Pete had moved the franchise from Hartford and invested not only a lot of time, but a lot of money into it. So, uh, you know, we started right away and, you know, we didn't uh, make the playoffs, but we were making strides. When I got here, we had 4,000 season ticket holders. And by the time uh, Tom bought the team, we were up to 8,000. We had double it and still hadn't made the playoffs. So, we put in at least in a position where, because uh, I, I met with multiple, multiple investors and, and people that kept looking at the the bottom line and that and chasing everybody away. And finally, we got to a point where we had a respectable balance sheet and was able to uh, get Tom to buy the franchise. Good. Now, we should back up to during the whole time when you were in the IHL, uh, you ran a porta potty business. Is that correct? Yeah, I started that business when I retired initially, uh, when I took the year off from hockey. Uh, Portable toilets. Uh, we st- I bought the uh, a franchise actually in Detroit with 25 units and one truck and 
ran it every summer until I, I went to uh, San Diego. And my sister actually ran it for me for quite a few years. But when I sold it, I had, uh, you know, six or seven trucks and over 3,000 units. So, oh, really? Well, it was, it was a shitty business, but it was a good way <laughs> to uh, make some money. So uh, why that? Is it just having to fall into that business? Or- yeah, I had a friend that had a franchise uh, in the north part of Detroit. This was south Detroit in, in Ohio. And, and I, I watched how he lived his life. And I'm saying, you know, you know, I always wanted to work for myself. That was the thing. You know, I was always thinking, you know, what are you going to do after hockey? And, you know, I always had an a incline that I was going to get back in. But I also need, I was young at, at 27 when I first stopped playing. I said, you know, I got to have some time in between. Uh, I'm not going to get go in some place as a young person until I maybe break away for a little bit. And, and I was out only out, you know, in that six, seven months when, uh, Dudley called me and asked me to come in as his player assistant coach. So, um, yeah, it was an interesting time, but, uh, you know, it was a business that, uh, you know, it's like any business you have to work it, put time into it. And I went on a lot of jobs and it was, uh, uh actually to be honest, uh, I enjoyed it and, uh, we did very well with it financially. So now, were you at college at the Great Northern Michigan University? What do you call it? Where the N is for knowledge? Yeah. Um, yeah. Knowledge. Did you, I mean, obviously your dream was to play in the National Hockey League, correct? Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Right. But well, once that got done, you couldn't play any longer because of the eye. Did you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to be a GM someday? I, you know, you, I, you, yes, I always, I didn't say I was going to be, I wanted to be, of course. But I also knew, uh, you know, I, I wanted to take the right steps and, uh, in 1990, I guess it was, you know, I got an offer to, from a national team as go as an assistant GM and I turned it down and people thought I was crazy for turning it down. But uh, I was only two years into uh, my management career and I really felt like I wanted to run my own program. And that's why I went and started uh, San Diego. Uh, you know, I was hoping that, you know, learn, learn the business. I always say that I, I Talked to a lot of people try to get in this business. You know, try, don't try to get someplace too quickly because if you're not prepared for it, the fall is going to be quick, even quicker. So I went to San Diego and, you know, I even had, after three or four years there, I had another opportunity and I decided to pass on it. And then uh, when I went to Orlando and got that up and running that franchise, uh, you know, and then when Kenny Holland called me, being a hometown Detroit kid that was uh, 97, um, it was an easy decision for me to move. And, I can remember two other GMs at the time saying, how come you didn't come work for me? And I said, well, this was a special situation because I got to go home, uh, you know, work for my hometown team. And, you know, it's something that I was excited to do. And, you know, it was signed a five-year contract there. It stayed one year. Uh, my wife and daughter, uh, never being at home, all of, taking them all over the country, were pretty happy. My daughter was 10 years old being home. And then I can remember when I came home and said, uh, I just got offered the job to start the Atlanta franchise. He said, like, uh, my wife was happy. I don't think my daughter was too happy with me. But, uh, it all Did you have out. to go through the whole interview process with the Atlanta people or is that? Yeah, no, it, it was a long process. It was about a two-month process. Oh. Um, uh, I went in and met with uh, uh, Harvey Schiller at the time was running the process and making the hire. Stan Kasten was involved. And, of course, Ted Turner. I can remember uh, meeting Ted Turner for the first time and, when he asked me, uh, first question he asked me is, uh, when am I going to ride that, uh, Hamboni machine? <laughs> I said, the Zamboni machine. He goes, yeah, whatever that thing is clears the ice. And, uh, so yeah, it was, it was a great process. I'd never been through an interview process, uh, anything like this. And, uh, 
you know, they're a, they're a corporate, you know, big company, uh, with, uh, TBS and TNT and all Time Warner stuff. And so I probably met with 10 to 12 different execs through the process of going in there. I think I went in there three times and then we were in the playoffs in Washington. I'll never forget in the finals. And, uh, they wanted to meet with me again. And I said, well, I can't, I'm in Washington. I can't come to Atlanta right now. And I said, well, we'll come to you. I said, the only thing, if you come to me, Stan Bowman, or, or, or Scotty Bowman has coached our team. I said, if he knows I'm interviewing for this job and we lose a game, I'm going to be the blame of it. So I can remember they, they flew in. I met them at a, a, wherever they were staying. I don't remember the hotel. And we met for four hours in the middle of the day before game, game four where we wrapped up the cup. And, uh, and we won that night. And two days later, I got offered the job. Wow. There's a lot of other candidates. Yep. Uh, yeah, Brian Burke and I passed each other in the airport twice, actually. Oh, is that right? Oh, so then he ended up getting the, after that, he ended up getting the Vancouver job. So I, I know you're pretty humble, but you built that reputation now where it seems that the league really like counts on you. Like they really trust that you're going to do the job properly based on what happened in Atlanta, uh, what's happening there in Carolina, right? Well, like I say, you, you know, treat, treat people good. Doesn't matter, uh, if they're above you or below you, you know, treat people all the same. And run a, run a good program. Don't, you know, there's honesty is there's nothing better than honesty. Some things you make, make a mistake, admit it and let's fix it. You know, move on. So, uh, you know, it's, and you, you build relationships throughout the years and, you know, you, you, we all have our moments where you're not happy how things are going, but, uh, overall, you know, I think, you know, we have, we've been fortunate. I have great people here and, and Raleigh and I had great people in Atlanta, a tough situation where we had a nine ownership group there, but, uh, you know, you surround yourself with good people. You're usually going to figure out how to get things done. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We had Luke Robitaille, if you want, president of the LA Kings. And it was really amazing. We're both you guys saying the same thing. It's how you treat people too. It's not just about the business and making right decisions. It's how you treat the people in your organizations. I never really thought of it that way, but you think about it. Yeah. You want people to want to work for you. Yeah, hundred percent. You you got yeah. I I look at I always say our, our staff's a giant jigsaw puzzle. Everybody's got a piece of that puzzle. If you didn't have a piece, you wouldn't work here. So unless everybody does what they're capable of doing or what we ask them to do, your puzzle never could be complete. Right. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, the first person that walks in, the receptionist or whoever, you know, they're just as important as uh, the the person selling sponsorship. The uh, everybody. It's just that we everybody plays a role and and. That's how you build successful organizations. You know, people may look at Atlanta and say, well, geez, that was a failure. You know, we had to sell the team. The team didn't win, all that. There's a lot of things that, te- that people don't know, right? As soon as that ownership group got in there, they start suing each other right away, right? More because of the basketball team, is that correct? Yeah. Nine, nine owners, uh, three different groups, one from Atlanta, one from Washington, one from Boston. They're put together by the NBA because they're trying to buy the Hawks uh, and the NBA and they had to take thrashers with them. And, you know, it, it, I knew what I was dealing with. People say, how do you survive that long? And I said, well, two, because you didn't win. I said, well, two things. I said, one is I understood what they're, what they wanted to do. They were, they bought the team for basketball. You know, the biggest thing with Hawkeye, I can remember our first uh, board meeting with them. It's, you know, we want to, we want to run this bare bones. We don't want to spend any money. We're going to spend it on basketball. They were right up front. There was no, so, you know, people say, I said, I knew what I was being dealt. The cards was being dealt. I chose to stay and trying to make the best of it. So, you know, it was just a different situation. And then, you know, like I said, nine months into it, they start suing each other. And then we were in court for, I think I did uh, a couple court appearances or depositions. And 
And then it got resolved. Once it got resolved, uh, then they decided to spin off the hockey team first. They That went to Winnipeg. And then a couple years later, they sold the basketball team. And despite all that, the owners ended up making money too, right? Yeah, they, well, they, you know, the entry fee back then, I think was $75 million. And, you know, they ended up selling the franchise, the uh, NHL franchise for $200 million. And yeah. the, NBA, the NBA, I think they tripled on the NBA team. Do you think that hurt your reputation, what happened in Atlanta at all? No, I mean, I, I, yes, I, I didn't think, you know, from a GM standpoint, that was out in the cards again. You know, you look at your record and, you know, we only went, made the class once, won our division one year. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, everybody bases everything on, on, uh, your record. And so, and I really, even in Atlanta, I was running the last couple of years there, well, the last four years, I was running all the business for, uh, the whole sports organization. So I, I enjoy the business side. And so when I had the opportunity to come here in 14 with Pete Carmanis, you know, to me, that was a, a, a new challenge just being the president and just having to worry about the business side. So, uh, I absolutely do love the business side and, you know, we've taken this business to different heights it's never seen before and hopefully yeah. we'll continue. Yeah. And you never really took any formal business classes, right? You just taught yourself along the way. Yeah. I think, you know, school's a little overrated at times. I think, uh, <laughs> I know people hate when I say that, but I think, yeah, uh, I, 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 on job experience, you know, and like I said, being able to even run my own company and understand with balance sheets and, uh, you know how you make profits and uh, uh, and cut your costs and all that stuff. I think that all plays a part in it. But I, you know, to me, uh, you know, when you're trying to make things, I think running minor league teams. You know, I did it for nine years. Uh, where you, I can remember in Flint, I was coaching GM and uh, warm up with game would be seven o'clock. Warm up start six thirty till six fifteen. I was in the box office selling tickets. Uh, you you just had short staffed. You you had to do everything and. I, I, it was a great experience for me and a great opportunity to learn every part of the business. So yeah. I think on the job training, it's been the best thing for me by all means. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Okay, we're going to rewind a little bit, go back to Northern Michigan University. So, uh, Don and I talked to we've talked every once in a while, but uh, we talked the other day, and you start telling some of the old stories, and just like, <laughs> this up. 
So um, I think I've told the story, but so it was after my our junior year, at the end of the season, I had separated my shoulder and the team went on a road trip and we decided we're going to take Don's truck, which was, it had a cap on the back, but it wasn't a, a heated cap or, and it was still, it was what, March and up there in North, North Michigan. Yeah. And so it's still cold. We're leaving North Michigan. We're going to drive down to Fort Lauderdale with six guys in the pickup truck, three up front, three in the back, all kinds of sleeping bags, everything stay warm in the back. So uh, my, I'd separated my right shoulder. So Don's truck had the you know, three on the tree kind of thing. You know, I had to shift gear. So I had to reach across with my left hand. So I'm driving to the bus to pick these guys up. We're going to go directly from the bus to the, and I, I pulled the gear shift handle off. And <laughs> so poor Don gets off the bus and I walk over to him with the gear shift handle. Off. He didn't flinch at all. He just grabbed a roll of hockey tape, taped it up. And we drove for 35 hours down to, Man, that was a great trip. That was fun. Yeah, that was a great trip. That was the that was, that was a fun trip. Uh, I never got to ride the back of the cab, so I don't know yeah. how cool it was back there. I'm not sure it wasn't good. The, the, yes. The, uh, I don't know if you remember coming back. We were coming through just south of Green Bay, Wisconsin. We're almost all the way back from a 26-hour trip, but we get a flat tire about 3 o'clock in the morning, and good traveler that I am and the experience guy on the road no jack for my truck so uh uh black tire middle of the highway uh middle of the night what are we gonna do so we did what most six guys would do i had loosened the tire up and we picked up the truck from the oh. back you know it's a back end of the truck not the front tire and took the old tire off put the new one on and away we went so that, that was the end of that trip that was uh something quite to remember about but that was uh, funny did we stay in a tent down there too we brought a tent down we had, we had a tent. Uh, I think some guys had a hotel room because I think that's where we went and showered and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. That was one of the best, best vacations I ever had. I think I had like a hundred bucks in my pocket. I, I think we had any money, but we made it work. Yeah, we oh, made yeah. it. I, I don't know if I ever told you this or not. I mean, it did. So I, I was uh, late at night and I was hitchhiking back to the tent and this guy stops and picks me up and uh, he says, you want to come back to my place? He said, just you, you just be you, me, and the video camera. And I'm still, I'm so naive. I'm going, well, what are you talking about? And he's he kind of winking at me or something like he was trying to pick me up. I said, yeah, you stopped this car now. I'm going to beat the crap out of you. Right, that? I, I don't remember that story, but I'm not. Yeah. I think that was the first time I was ever propositioned by another man. I was like, I yeah. so naive, that farm boy. Oh, my God. Now, were you a freaking student too? You, you went to class, right? Yeah, I went to class. Yeah, I, I, I did okay. Uh, you know, I, you know, it's like all of us, you know, we were there to play hockey and I ended up 1.5 and was on probation for my second semester because I did oh. not go to school. In fact, I didn't oh. we even have a library until the second semester. Uh, <laughs> and I was living with uh, a hockey player that I, they moved me, calmly uh, made me move to uh, with Steve Latis, who's still a very good friend of mine, who's a big student there and that. And so the second semester, I ended up getting a 3.5. So... After one year, I had a 2.5, which made me eligible to stay. You know, I think it was just a 2.2 or something to be eligible. So I, I learned quickly that, yeah, it, that if you pay no attention to it, you won't be here long. But if you can pay some attention to it, you can survive pretty well. So uh, after that, it was, uh, yeah, I did okay. And, you know, to me, uh, uh, school is fun. I mean, it was, I mean, we had a lot of fun at school, but, you know, we also, uh, when it was serious from not only a school standpoint, but from uh, hockey, uh, we, we obviously took that serious. But uh, in between, uh, there's probably some stories that we probably can't tell. Oh, I know. I know. That would be your position. Now, maybe someday when you retire, we'll do another podcast. And, uh, remember they put us in pain hall? It was a quiet hall. 
Remember that? Quiet, quiet dorm we we lived in, and uh, I had two uh, sweet mates that were from Detroit. That uh, I don't know if you remember Gary and Bill. That uh, they're uh, still good friends of mine, and they're yeah. our sweet mates. And it was uh, it was like a challenge to make as much noise as possible. Right? That's right, be the quiet hall. And our poor, I'll never forget our poor RA. His name was Doug Gross. I'll never forget the guy. In my oh life. yeah, yes. Doug Gross, and we used to just terrify this guy. Yeah, <laughs> you think back, you know, we're, we're now we're talking in the uh, 70s, so we have to worry about cell phones, about yeah. cameras, about videotape, about Twitter, about all these things. We could uh, pretty much get away with whatever we wanted to do. Do you remember? I can't remember who the player was, but he barricaded himself in his room. So we had the quad, so there's the, the thing in the middle there. And he barricaded himself in his room, he turned on his. Uh, uh, stereo really loud and put the speakers by the by the window and he'd locked himself in the room but then they figured out they could do you, who, do you remember who that was oh I, I thought it was your buddy from Toronto there Frank McCarthy maybe oh but, but yeah, I didn't I, I don't look like somebody wrong the name for but yeah so then they went they figured okay they'll go shut the power off so they went to the circuit breaker turn the power off so next I don't know why he was doing this next time he did it he waited a couple weeks he went to the to the lock circuit breaker, put a toothpick in there, broke it off, so they couldn't put the key in. They didn't go back in. So he was sitting there. They couldn't get in his room. It was too high. I don't know what ultimately happened. I don't know why he did it, but I, we were just roaring because it was just hilarious. Yeah, it, it, it probably wasn't Frank because he was more of a low key guy. But uh, yeah. we probably have suspicion guys out there. Uh, yeah. uh, oh, I could throw out some names, but I'll get myself in trouble. <laughs> no, go ahead. Come on. Was it Dave Gurton or something like this? Uh, so that was my first choice. Dave. Yeah. Yet. Remember, uh, uh, you had Gert and Ross. Yes, so, yes. That, yeah, good, good old uh, Detroit guys. That, uh, who, went, who went to Florida with us in the truck? Weren't those two guys in the truck with us? I think both of them were out there. I think uh, Weeks, he went with us. Oh, and, Weeks, he went? Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. Weeks, he went, and uh, I don't remember. Uh, I I know Freddie Haig didn't go with us. Freddie Haig was another one of our teammates. It was yeah. uh, a guy that uh, I did some trips with, and that really good guy. Yeah, yeah, really good guy. We did have a bunch of good guys too. Yeah. So, so obviously, the first year we went there was the first year they had the hockey team. So, um, Division One, Division One hockey. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But interesting. By the end of our senior year, yeah, um, I think it was uh, you and I, Weeksy, I think uh, Billy Joyce, Billy Joyce, Dennis Flanagan survived. Mike Milky, Milky, yeah, yeah. Dennis Flanagan, there's a name, man. What a good guy he was. Yeah, that's a nice kid. Wow. Yeah, they're I, they're famous. Were they from Stratford, Ontario? Stratford, Ontario. His dad was a famous coach here forever. Yeah, uh, they used to come to Atlanta and they used to make an annual trip every year to Atlanta. I mean, his dad to see a hockey game and a Braves game when the spring oh. started. So I got to see it for a long time. And, uh, that's right, because Dennis was a good baseball player, wasn't he? Catcher, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine, man. We had some fun up there, man. Really, they're like, yeah. Uh, my parents, they loved going up there. They, my dad, if he's firefighter, he drive like a have a night shift, get in the car and drive 12 hours. My mother made all the raspberry tarts and they would just, they'd party the whole time. And then uh, Sunday morning, any beer that was left over, they dropped it at our place and dropped it off. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. What was the, yeah, there was a Ramada Inn right across. There's the greasy spoon, in the restaurant where we go for breakfast. Oh, boy. Yeah. It was like sometimes on the Sunday morning, we're just totally hung over. <laughs> I, I, right. I, I never admitted to drinking back then. Yeah. Oh God. You, you, you guys went to the price downtown Andes, and, and yeah. I, mean, I I started to hang out at the pier. I don't know if oh, is that where you, your place? We, we followed you after that, because that was hanging out, too. Remember the alibi with the disco uh, floor, like the lights on the floor? Right? Uh, I, 
Unbelievable. <laughs> they, they had this song. I think it was called The Worm or whatever. So everybody get down on their backs and start like, worm. So we're, <laughs> we're diving on the girls. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. No. We just, you know what the great thing was with that team, too? We always did it together. Like, yeah, we were. Much together. And even if we broke curfew or something, it was like, okay, we're all going to break every curfew. We're all going to break curfew. So Coach Conley, I think he secretly probably liked it that we stuck together all the time. Yeah, and, it, and curfews, you know, you never, when you start having a few beverages, you don't remember what time zone you're in. So, if, you know, I don't know if it was 11 o'clock Eastern time or it might have been Pacific time. So, you know, it's a. Well, what a bunch of, yeah. I saw when we, uh, I was living in Michigan, this guy was a financial planner. His secretary, Janet Kemp, and apparently she went to Northern when we were there. I never, I don't think we met her. She said she didn't hang around with the team, but she looked at me at one point. She says, You guys lived all out. <laughs> we did. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's why we, uh, uh, Coach Cobley, I think we we put him through probably, uh, probably for it wasn't his first coaching because he came from Lake Superior as a young coach, but uh, I don't think he had to put up at Lake Superior what he had to put up with us. That's for sure. I will never forget. We went on our first road trip. I'll never forget to Western Michigan, and so we're all like these 18, 19, 20 year old guys, Minnesota, Michigan, Ontario, and um, so we go get to the uh, hotel at uh, in Kalamazoo right beside the hotel is a liquor shop store <laughs> so of course me and the intelligent young men and we are we go right this is the night before a game uh we go over to the liquor store we're all getting in one room together hooping and hollering and getting hammered and coach Conway comes in and he's looking at us what are you guys doing like like you said I just don't think he anticipated how stupid we were right then we but we, we had no experience there's no senior senior class that tells oh. us what to do right so we just like I said just did whatever we wanted yeah no we had one sophomore if you remember Eddie Dobbs yeah, yeah. Eddie Dobbs came. We were all freshmen. Eddie Dobbs came and he had transferred and uh, he was in Dobbs. Yeah, yeah. Great Tignanelli, all those guys. All right. Yeah. So, one of the classic stories of my life, uh, <laughs> one of these times where this is this is not me making the decision. This is Don and I making this decision together. So, I'd been drafted by the Peterborough Peets uh, in the midget draft. Uh, so, I technically they stole my rights. So, it was going into our draft year, which was um, the, the sophomore season, correct? That was yeah, 78. 77, 78 year. Do, do you remember how we came to this decision to to leave college and go junior? I know we talked about it for a few days. And then I think one night we just said, you know, let, let's do it. And uh, it was like, we, we had the weekend off. Oh, no, it was before the season started, right? Yeah. It was yeah. before the season started. Training camp was going on in the OHL. So we decided, Don and I, that we were going to go play for the Peterborough Peets. Now, we don't tell our parents. We don't tell the coaches. Did we tell any teammates? I don't think we told no, teammates. No, but I don't think anybody did. So uh, Ron Ruffett uh, was with the Bramley Blues. I called him up. Uh, I said, listen, Ron, can you set it up to get us to Peterborough? Because uh, they get no cell phones. Really. So they, Peterborough Pete's real excited. Um, they We drove over to Lake Sperry, new truck. All right. And we're to Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. Uh, went across the border into Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. And then got a flight from Sault Ste. Marie over to Toronto. And then they picked us up and brought us over to Peterborough. So... We get to the billets house and uh, I call my, my parents up and uh, and my parents was friends with your, particularly your mother uh, yeah. at that time. Yeah. Um, and so I said, dad, we're in Peterborough. Yeah. He, I've ever sensed it. Don't move. I'm coming to get you. We're going to <laughs> Don and I, I remember thinking, what's the big deal? This is what we're supposed to be doing. Said, so my parents picked up Don and I took us back, took them, us back to their house, spent the night. They, they drove us to the Toronto airport after that. And they said, Get up there and don't ever come back. <laughs> don't ever come back. Yeah, it was the quickest trip to Ontario, especially. Uh, it was, yeah. uh, 
I can remember driving them back and we were sitting there coming back from Sault Ste. Marie talking about our short trip and then are we going to tell Coach Cobbler or not? That was the biggest thing. Are we going to act like nothing ever happened? And uh, uh, it, it was it was quite a trip. I think we got in Coach Cobbler's yeah. office. And, and who who's the other coach that was in there with him? Rod, Rod Hookwood, yeah. right? Rod? Yeah. yeah. So we walk in, uh, and uh, he was kind of shocked to see us walk in. And, he, and I guess we had this look on our face, too. Like, hey, we got a couple. And Terrence looks at us and we say, uh, we both said it one at a time or whatever. We said, uh, why would just go back to Peterborough? And to walk off, he was like, what? what? Oh, I remember, imagine what he must have been thinking at the time, how he wanted to just kill us, right? Yeah. 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 It was, uh, uh, I can remember his face like, what? And, uh, but, uh, I think he realized that uh, if he had known before, he would have tried to talk us out of it. That then we would have maybe regretted that we were even thinking about it. So probably the way it played out was better for all of us because you and I learned quickly, and uh, that it's probably just not the right move for us. And uh, yeah, that was. Uh, and we were uh, we were both captains at the time, I think, too, right? At least no, we were. Yeah. yeah. So it's just and technically that would have made us ineligible, right? Because they right. paid for the flights in, yeah. But back yeah. then, nobody, you know, there's no cell phones or like that. Oh yeah. God! And uh, some of the stories from that northern. I mean, we're we're not getting any younger, but there's certain stories you can't remember, but there's a lot of stories you can remember, and they're all they're all the good times. That's for sure. It's when you even get together, with guys. Do like you think to yourself, like, uh, okay, did we really do that? And then oh, we did it. Oh, I was mad. We were wild. I remember, remember our senior year, I think it was, we were down in Miami, Ohio. And um, I don't know why. We decided we were going to tear up all the shrubbery. We were walking back to the park. <laughs> and the police called, uh, I think they had us in the back of the police car. And they called Coach Comey's office and they go, these guys are crazy. I goes, yeah, they're the crazy bunch of guys. He was lowered at that point too. I, I'd forgotten. Well, I, I told you this the other day. Um, so I went up to Northern Michigan, put on a little presentation, a little motivational speech there. And uh, he came walking over, and I, I looked at him. I just like, just like, what? Well, sorry, that's all. Like, Jim, we talked about this too. Remember, he told me the story. And I forgot it. He gone out on a recruiting trip, and uh, who's the coach that we didn't like that much? Uh, Rod Ruck. It was. Uh, I thought Rod Huckworth. Oh, is that uh, the one? He he would have to do some weird stuff, and we revolted, and uh, we revolted by putting our helmets around backwards. And uh, so he had to call Coach Conley out. Let's go. It might have been, no, might have been Bill at that time. Man. Yes, yes, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. And uh, remember, he used to have to do us all the stretching in the dark and everything after we worked out. And, and I, now I'd probably do it, but then I was like, what? Yeah. Well, we, so, uh, yeah, I, I was one that never, I mean, they, we had to be in the weight room, they turn the lights off so you could meditate. And I mean, this is 1980, <laughs> or yeah, eight, uh, the sixth, whatever it was. And, meditate i said what the heck is this oh i know oh, no but yeah you could fish your story your practice and it was pretty funny because we uh for some reason we were involved in uh, coach commas i recruited trip so we all came out and practice with our helmets on backwards if we would do change <laughs> he went off <laughs> coach oh my gosh that was another uh, that's i can remember that story too that was oh god he, I, he had to fly back from west coast yeah. <laughs> And why we made the decision to put our helmets around backwards? That's what that was all about. We're, you and I were probably in the middle of all that too, making yeah, the um, yeah, well, I for sure you got. So you went and played the World Junior Tournament. What year was that? Uh, the first one was seventy-seven in uh, the old Czechoslovakia, now the Czech Republic. 
And then the second one was in Montreal, 78. That was Gretzky's first year. That's crazy. So, it was twice. Oh, okay. That's right. Like back to back. Yeah. That was a big deal. I, I didn't realize how big a deal that was for you to go. Yeah. I mean, you, you, nobody knew, you know, I didn't know either at that time. You know, you, you, you learn after and you start looking at the rosters of these guys he played against and you know, particular, uh, not only Team Canada, but all the Russians he played against and all that. It was, uh, pretty uh pretty impressive but you when you're doing it you don't realize it you know it's yeah. i can remember going to the Czechoslovakia. i was at you know marquette and i flew from marquette to green bay to chicago to someplace in new york it was like seven stops to get there then you get there and you know it's uh, at that time they're still a communist country and you know there's everybody's carrying guns in the streets there's tanks and everything else and uh it was a scary situation but you know to play hockey there it was great so Great, great trips. The second year was Montreal. Oh, yeah. A lot of fun. I forgot, I'd forgotten about the second year. I remember the Czechoslovakia one. Then, yeah. So I was lucky too. So now Verdun and I went there. There's the first year they had the hockey program. So technically, we've got the worst hockey program in the country, Division One uh, hockey program. So Verdun gets to play in the World Juniors. I uh, was fortunate enough to get to try out for the Canadian Olympic team, went over to uh, Czechoslovakia as well, uh, Christmas of our junior year, I guess it was. Right. And then, uh, so now we're getting like, like our first couple of years, we're kind of, you know, we're really not doing that much. Uh, third year, I think was a little bit better. Um, and then, so I, I told the story, but I'll be brief on this one because I've told it so many times, but I went to try with the Canadian Olympic team that had a training camp in Calgary, Alberta, and they didn't have much money. So they had a double wide construction trailer. Um, and I went with, um, I shouldn't mention nah, nah, I don't, I won't mention their names. Two <laughs> guys are now in the national hockey. <laughs> yeah. We went out with, uh, and decided to have a few adult beverages. And got back like two or three in the morning and decided to put the furniture on the trainer's car or the park shop. So, when, and again, one of those things where we're thinking, man, this is really funny. You know, it's a good bonding move and everything. They went to bed and then I woke up, I woke up the trainer and told him what we did. Thinking that, man, he's be laughing the whole bit. And that's uh, next next morning, he got up and Father Bauer ran to Hockey Canada. They're a priest and everybody comes walking over to me again, thinking he's going to give me a big hug. Hands me the plane ticket and sends me home. <laughs> so, so actually, I think it kind of fueled me to right. have a great year because I've been drafted. I said, geez, I better get my act together. And that's senior year. Now, remember we took off, we were kind of like first five games, we were kind of muddling around, and all of a sudden we took off one, one 20 in a row or something? Yeah, no. Yeah. Remember we won the big uh, North Dakota home series right after Christmas yeah. in our building. Yeah. Two one two one back-to-back games. So it was, uh, yes. it was kind of the springboard for the whole season. And, yeah, so they were ranked number one in the first half of the year, and then once we yeah. beat them at home, then we were making them one the rest of the year. So that was, remember it was a Gino Gasparini was coach there, is that who it yeah. was? Yeah, remember him saying he got interviewed uh, and this saying, "Well, you're going to be intimidated by the people at Marquette Lakeview Arena because it's a like 3,500 seat place, but the fans are right on top. You know, all the mining guys and they're smoking cigarettes, and drinking beer." And he said, "We don't get intimidated by anybody." And they left the weekend, asked him again. He said, "We're never coming back here." <laughs> yeah, we're never coming back here. Uh, man, that was that year was incredible, right? I mean, that, we had a great bunch of guys like Jeff Taskoff and those kind of guys are great team players. Yeah, you know, Steve Bozak. Steve Bozak, good player too. Yeah, he had a good career. I, unfortunately, I heard he lost his wife recently. Yeah, no, I agree. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. yeah I think they met at college too, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Good player. He was almost too intelligent to be a hockey player. Though, yeah. He was a, we got out of the bus and we would play cards or whatever else. And he'd be uh, reading books. I, yeah. I never read a yeah. book in college. I mean, a little ago, it's a, it's a front cover. And yeah. That wasn't about it. But uh, yeah. yeah. You remember our first uh, our first weekend? I remember our first weekend, our freshman year. Uh, we lost the first night to St. Louis five nothing, and then uh, the second night we lost five one. 
and we scored that one goal, which I was fortunate to score it with about three minutes left in the game. You thought we'd won the Stanley Cup to score a goal. It was our first weekend. We got outscored 10 to 1 at home, and we finally scored a goal. It was like, wow, we won the championship. Uh, I remember two late by our senior year. I mean, this is a good way. Like, we were cocky, too. Like, we'd go into another team's building, and we just we knew we were going to win, right? We cop, cop, were cocky, confidence, you know. But, you know, I think that was the swag that you needed back then, yeah. too. Yeah, maybe even now, but, uh, you know, have that swag that, you know, you're yeah. – you're, you're, you're the best. Oh yeah, we we always be together. We walk into the rink together. We remember I had that feeling like we we're gonna win every time, and we did. I remember it was in playoffs that senior year too. We beat who did we beat to win the championship, the CCHA championship? Well, Minnesota. Remember the whole. Uh, well, that was that one game though. But who did we? Oh, oh, the CCHA. Yeah. Uh, remember we can't like it was a two game total yeah, goal two, series. Yeah, yeah. And we were you know the first game like being twelve to one or something like that, and then we just we coasted the second. Yeah, no, I don't even remember. I don't even remember who that was, but yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay, so back then, so we'll, we'll come up to the Minnesota game. So uh, we were ranked number one in the country. Um, North Dakota won uh, their WCHA, and then there's the two teams, Cornell and Dartmouth from uh, Pro, to, Cornell. I can't remember yeah. what was Cornell. Cornell. It was Cornell and somebody. I don't remember. Yeah. But there was really no system to determine, okay, like who gets in the uh, second team from the West. So again, we're right now in the country. So they tell us that we've got to go to Minnesota to play. Uh, I guess it was more of a financial decision, right? I mean, making more money, bigger arena. Well, that wasn't. I mean, it was politics, but yes, you yeah. can use you can use financial. So, yeah. uh, and everybody's like, oh, "Got to go to." But we were so cocky. Yeah. Going in. We didn't we didn't care where we played. Like if it, like we were the bosses there. And uh, so now they had lost some players because of the Olympic team. And they were like Ramsey would have been there, one of the Broughtons. but they still had a good team. And we ended up winning four to three. So they had the phantom goal. Remember the guy? It was a brought and shot the puck went through the net. Through the net. Pose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they made a score there for a one game playoff, too. So remember, yeah. it was one game, winner take all in their building after us being number one in the country. But, you know, to your point, I don't even think we thought, you know, okay, yeah. what we got to do? We'll go there and win. Yeah. And Absolutely. That, that was our attitude. You're exactly right. I never thinking, like, oh, God, we're going to be in trouble. In fact, we were the other way around. Like they, we worried about. They got to worry about us, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Every coach Conley too. He was upset because we didn't have any All Americans either. They were our number one in the country. Oh, right. And but I don't think we were even aware of that kind of stuff. No, no, yeah, yeah. in your face, yeah, dude. Yeah, we were drinking our beer, having fun. Yeah, uh, God. Remember, we went there too. But first, so we thought, okay, we're going to go only Division One sport in the school, right? The football is Division Three, I think it was, and um, and we we go there thinking, oh, geez, the girls are all going to love us. You know, we got leather, leather jackets on. We go to register and they're like, we don't have a hockey. They didn't know about it. <laughs> by, our, by the senior year, man, we were big man on campus. Then. Yeah, we, we went there. The two big guys were Tom Izzo and Steve Mariucci. Yeah, you know, right. Those are the two big guys. In fact, uh, I, I I don't remember if we went together on recruiting trips. I know I went up there. That's who uh, took took me out was uh, Izzo and Mariucci. Um, and weren't you trying to steal Izzo's girlfriend? Yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> 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 uh, we kept saying to her, I can't remember her name was Dump Izzo. Dump Izzo was the thing we said to her all the time. <laughs> but yeah, no, we were uh, we were the small bed on campus when we went there for sure. And then yeah. it changed oh, pretty God, quickly. Yeah. What a great time. I know people say like four years of college is going to be the best time of your life. But man, I, like for us all to be together, particularly the guys, the freshmen all started together. Man, that was, yeah. Wow. Well, very, very few people ever get to do that. You know, like, yeah. I've said through my career starting franchises, very few people get to start a franchise because every, you know, and be able to start a program like we did there uh, with all us being a freshman. And it was, you know, and, you know, you, 
how many times you spend that many years with the same people, you know, and then we down it, we know as we went, but the first couple of years, it didn't change a whole lot. Third year, we're going to have a little bit more influx when Bozak. No, they, they wouldn't even unlock the bathroom door on the bus. First couple of years. Al, do you remember Alvin, the bus driver? Yeah. Yeah. Al, yeah. Al, he, he wouldn't let you use the bathroom. We'd be driving from Marquette to Bowling Green, 14 hours. Oh yeah. Hours. And we, he wouldn't unlock because he didn't want to clean it on the road. <laughs> I don't know if Coach Comic lied to us or not, but <clears throat> there's all this talk about expanding the building, you know, and have like that knock the wall down, have this big locker room. Never, never. We had this tiny little locker room for a practice rank, and then leave your arena small little locker room there. But I don't think he cared though. Yeah, I just I just remember uh, playing at Lake Fiorina. We had a a, a bar there, uh, the Donors Club or Blue Eye yeah, Club, yeah, yeah. whatever. And uh, our one of our team doctors who was the who, <laughs> who sewed you up, you never want to get cut in the third period because if oh, you get you're, you're going to get the worst stitch job you could ever imagine. He's he's say, man, that's what he said. He can smell his breath, like booze. He's leaning oh. over trying to tissue. Remember one time, I think he was going to sew me up. He said, he's going to freeze it. I said, no, no, you're not putting another needle there. <laughs> Bad enough, you got to stitch it. No, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember we had the radio guy, um, I can remember having the dark mustache and everything. I don't know, for whatever reason, at the end of one season, I thought it'd be a good idea to go up, pull him out of the radio booth, put him in the shower in our locker. <laughs> I had no clue. I, I think back, I remember doing it, but I was like, no clue why. And yeah. It's bad times. Was it Joe Blake, was it? I, no, I don't think it was. It was somebody before he Joe Blake, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, Joe Blake, he's you're good with names. I have a Joe Blake. <laughs> what a great bunch. Of, it ended up being, listen, the, the school obviously backed this too, but the, it was more the townspeople, right, that were. Yeah, Tal, the towel really grasped the really grasped the hockey team. You know? Yeah, we got uh, uh, we good friends in the city, and still yeah. have still have friends there actually. Yeah. So, uh, and it's changed a lot though. You, you haven't been back there in a while, right? No, I haven't been back for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to try to have a uh, a reunion. We were talking about for 2026. You know, uh, a 50 year reunion. Hopefully, we can get there for that. Yeah. You know, the bad part, the bad part from Marquette is just like it's to get there, right? It's a pain. Tra- travel getting there it's you know 450 miles north of detroit because i drove it so many times i actually hitchhiked back and forth well, uh, a lot and uh well now and now okay so you hitchhiked now you're taking a private jet yeah now i got a little fortune a little different travel now <laughs> i just got done when i say this uh you and i are good friends uh you know how friends go especially guys we don't see each other for years but uh you know I, i'm really proud of you what you've done with your life you know the family mind you get you got two grandkids now too Two grandkids, ten year old boy and a seven year old girl. Because look at what you that it's interesting you talk about starting the franchise too, the the hockey team in Northern. You how many so you started the team in uh was it so definitely yeah. San Diego? San Diego, Orlando, and then Atlanta. Uh, wow, do you think that's something that's that's kind of part of your repertoire now, like how to start? Like yeah. a lot of people wouldn't know where yeah. to start, right? Yeah. It, obviously you wouldn't say like company trade help, but starting two franchises before it's the same thing's got to happen. Whatever level you start, just you know, a lot more money, a lot more people. But right. I think it was very fortunate, and yeah. you know, I I would like to reciprocate the, what you said about me because, you know, who would have thought you'd uh, be where you are today after playing uh, how many how many games did you end up playing? I had this on my mind the other day. It was uh, I think I played the, just north of seven hundred regular season games, probably yeah. totally games, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they have that kind of career after coming, uh, as we joked at your freshman year uh, of, uh, of coming to college. Uh, and it doesn't happen without the uh, hard work. And you were one guy that I always uh, appreciated how hard how hard you worked off the ice because you'd be in the weight room all the time. 
and I would sit and watch. And it was, it was, and then yeah, your game, your yeah, your game was different, right? Yours is the skill game. I had to be. I I don't know if I really realized it. I, I I'm in the process of writing a book now. It's made me look back at my life. Uh, my father and grandfather just had that work ethic, so I just didn't know any better. I didn't know that you, you don't do it. And I never really viewed myself as very talented either. So I just thought, well, if I if I had my dream of playing in the NHL, I'd work there. So. Yeah, uh, this is this is a cool thing. Back we met each other in 1976, right? I mean, it's like, uh, right. hey, look at, look at, like, you're president, you're president general manager of a national hockey team. Uh, yeah, cool. Most people think I should be retired, but. <laughs> well, listen, you're a great friend of mine. Like I said, very proud of you as a person, as a professional. Um, you know, like, like to start your own thing, like the whole porta potty business and everything and doing all the stuff you've done, you should be very proud of yourself as well. Well, I appreciate it, my friend. And it's always right. great to chat with you. Yep. Good to see you, brother. Um, good to, uh, glad you came on the show. We're going to do it again, hopefully, after you want to stay like a couple and do another show. You got it, my friend. Take All care. Right. All right. Sure. Good seeing you. See ya. All right. So, Tom, I was glad we, so glad we finally got Don Waddell on the show. He was your college roommate, he's your good friend. Um, it was great to hear. Some of your stories, I have to fully disclose that I was there in the beginning and then I had to tap out because I got a stomach bug in the middle of us taping and I had to leave. And I, I uh, yeah. it looks like you're going like to blow there for a second. I, like, oh I, well, I did. I ran upstairs. I did. Please apologize to Mr. Waddell when you talk to him because I, I just could, I had to tap out, which is odd. I tried to tough it out, but I just like, there wasn't, yeah, I didn't, you have every other show you've been there for, rain or shine. Yeah. No, I know this one just got to me. First time I threw up in over twenty years, so it was it was bizarre. But I did get the beginning part, and I did hear the hold, hold on, hold on. First time you threw up in over twenty years. How do you know when you last threw up? Did you mark that memory down or something? Absolutely, October 9th, two thousand two. I remember. <laughs> why, would you, why would you know the day for time you threw up? Because it was the last time I drank. Oh, is that what that's all? Yep. Yeah. I said I'm I'm not gonna do this ever again, and that's how I know. And I was and I haven't thrown up since. It was weird. And Christine was like, it was so weird you were throwing up because you know she's thrown up. She had you know three had three kids. I heard her go through all sorts of you know morning sickness and all. But she's like, it's so bizarre. She's like, I, I had to leave. It's like, well, thanks a lot. I was gonna say, I was gonna say something bad. Like, do you, you say throw up? Do you make the her? Well, yes, yes. When we when we made babies, I, I guess I had a part of that. So she threw up. Not in the act of making babies, but the process. <laughs> it sounded too. It's not it. I was asking this where I was going with it too. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. Afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, but um, it's great to hear you guys because he, he's sure he's a good friend of yours. And, and look at the careers you both had, you know? Hold on one second. I'm sorry I have to do this to you. But throwing up and woman throwing up, I mean, if you think of this, I was dating this beautiful model. Uh, it was actually by Eddie Mio, so uh, just Julie Wolf. Beautiful. And uh, who, who you and Eddie Mio both dated separately, separately, yes, yes, separate and, uh, So I think it was like the first or second time I dated. She came to a Halloween party that we had, and she had a gorgeous body. She had this green uh, suit on, like t- skin tight suit on. I, she was like Jolly Green Giant or something like that. And uh, oh man, the guys are all coming up to me like Tom, what are you doing? Like, she yeah, yeah, smoking. Um, so she'd had a couple cocktails. I took her home back to the city, her apartment. So I, well, I stayed around for a little bit, and she poor girl started throwing up. No, no. And, uh, but of course, being the guy I am, you know, she would clean up and get mouthwash going the whole bit. So, wait. So, you, you were that into her that after she threw up, you're like, all right, well, well I, she was, yeah. she was fine too. She was in the same thing. We were really into each other. You know, I'm playing in the National Hockey League. She's this gorgeous model. And, then, and she, you know, she, she threw up a couple of times actually. And she'd always wow. like come, come out smelling like roses. You know, she had the mouthwash going the whole bit. And, and you were like, whatever, I'm diving in. I don't yeah. care. Well, you know what? Wait, I do things right. Just plow through. Yes. 
no thought. Do you now? Was that before she dated Eddie Me or after? I think this is after. I don't think I knew until the, until after I had dated her that she had dated Eddie Neal. Uh, oh wow! Okay, well, he, he did. You know, we had him on episode I think seven, and he was he, yeah, he had no hard feelings or anything. Yeah, exactly. He was like, yeah. well, he did. He did the time though, but <laughs> of course he did. Yeah, <laughs> of course he did. But uh, well, we're, we're, so so. But let's talk about okay. Don Waddell because he no. was a he was basically a slick defenseman to your stay at home defenseman, right? He yeah. he was an offensive player. Or all he's an all American, but and you were not, right? No, I don't think he was an all American. He played in the World Junior Team twice. Okay, I gotcha. I don't think anybody at that time, our school. I can remember his senior year, our coach was mad because nobody we were number one team in the country and nobody's an all American. I have some bias against you guys. Yeah, well, you know, the the young team, you know, we just got again our first year we started, we were technically the worst team in the in the country because the first year we started. So that's actually I thought that, that was a good run too to go from the worst team in the country in four years to become the best team in the country. Yeah. No, it was great to have Odell on. I think at first Don was kind of a little bit hesitant. You know, he's the president, general manager of an NHL team. You know, and some of the stuff we did when we were 18, 19, 20 years old was, you know, we were careful to not get too yeah. many bad stories. But it was funny talking about how we uh, we had, um, uh, it was our draft year, so our going in our sophomore year, we both made the decision that we were going to leave college and go to uh, Peterborough Pizza. Peterborough Pizza drafted me, uh, so we arranged for us, to, and we didn't tell anybody. They just left. Wait, can I, can I go back? You could play, because Peterborough is junior, right? Yeah. Well, they play. We, no. <laughs> no. We couldn't. So right back then, but nobody knew anything, right? There's no cell phones or cameras or anything like that. So right. we called the guy that I knew from my junior team, the Bramley Blues. He called the Peter Pete, set it all up there. Again, there's no cell phones. Don and I jump in his green pickup truck and drive to Sault Ste. Marie, uh, Ontario. They arranged for a flight for us to fly down to Toronto and then uh, had a car pick us up to take us over to Peterborough. <laughs> Again, wow. not telling anybody. And it would have made wow. it like today, we get an eligible. And um, called my father, let, let him know uh, where we were from the billets house. And uh, he said, hardly, he said to me, don't move. I'm coming to get you. Wow. And, uh, he had called Dodd's uh, mother, uh, who they were friends with because we played together. They knew each other and told her what's going on. And, uh, they came and picked us up. It's a four-hour drive or something, too. So they had to come wow. up, brought us home. There wasn't a whole lot of talking going on either. And uh, put us on a plane the next morning back up there. Get your ass back in school. That's it. Yeah. No so discussion. now we didn't tell the coaches even. So now we got to walk into the coach's office and tell them what we've done. And now this part I do remember because there's an assistant coach sitting there at the left room and uh, head coach was far side of the room. We walk in and he looks at us like, what's going on? And uh, like you can tell the worried, worried look on his face right away. And we yeah, yeah. said, well, we just got back from Peterborough. <laughs> so he closes the door and I think he was more like, like, and Don said this in the show too, it's interesting that maybe it worked out well because if he told us no, like we went to him that we were still stubborn, you know, right. 18 year old kids that, would just say, well, we want to do it anyways kind of thing, or we'd be mad that we didn't go. Uh, this way we, we did it. Didn't work out too good. Too good so, but it, you know, it's funny telling those old stories. Same as Dave Soak where, uh, and, and Donna really got into it too, because, uh, you were things are so, like, we'd ask each other, is this something that really happened? Like, did we really the cold? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Well, how popular are you for him when he, well, so then again, you, you guys, and I was there for that when you talked about your first game, his first, his only game in the yeah. NHL when he was with yeah. the Kings. And you, you, you know, you're really rude to him, but you, you claim it was shock and surprise, but it was more like, God, it was kind of a chirp. Like, what are you doing here, dude? Well, and you didn't mean to be a chirp. I was really shocked as well. But plus it was my rookie year in the league. And looking back at it, I don't think you realize, uh, when you're going through it, that rookie year, every, everything's new, right? It's probably the first time I was in Los Angeles playing at the forum. So you're just like in awe of everything. And then you look back, you're like, I remember when, and we had a good run too. We went to the semifinals against the Islanders 
and you didn't realize when it's finally done, like you wake up the next day and you just realize, okay, I can relax. Like you just, I don't know if it's nervous, but you're just on guard the whole time. It's all new stuff. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm in the NHL. It's a dream come true. Uh, so yeah, when I saw Don there, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, well, you knew when you were playing in college that he was good enough to play in the NHL, right? Yes. A very talented player. Yes. Um, and really, yeah, really intelligent player too. Yeah. We talked about how we had this famous player, player of ours. We always, we partnered together on the ice and, uh, I'd carry the puck behind the net and he'd stand in the corner and I'd hold off the forward that was forechecking and just leave the puck for him. And yeah. We thought we were, we thought we were like Joe Cool, right? Kings of the world. Oh yeah. That's great. And, and what, a, what a career he's had, though. I mean, he's a Stanley Cup yeah. champion. Yeah. Very proud of him. He's, uh, but I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why I'm proud of him. Uh, he, um, so he worked his way up. He talked about having a porta potty business, uh, learning business world, then ultimately got to the point where he started the franchise in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, the Atlanta owners were constantly lawsuits against him. Yeah, they were mad. Yeah. And uh, so they ultimately sold the team. Um, but, you know, his reputation, particularly with the league, because those owners, as much as it, kind of get you know, all over the map, uh, they end up making money on that sale. Uh, oh, wow. So, yeah. So the league really looked at Don like, okay, it, it didn't work out on the ice. We understand why, but Don's got this great reputation. So when Mr. Commandus owned Carolina and wanted to put up for sale, uh, they have, they were losing money at the time. So he brought Woodell in to change that, make it, uh, got it to the point where it was a break even. So he now, now can get a right. price for selling the team. So his reputation so the is really good now. Yeah, but the owners and the and the, the owners and the league knows that he's a fixer. He can he can yes. take a crap situation yeah. and and turn it around. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, he went through and told the story. So we started the program, uh, Northern Michigan, he and I together and others. Uh, then he started the porta potty business. Then he started the franchise in San Diego. Then he started the franchise in uh, Atlanta. And wow. He also yeah. Came in. Yeah. So it, it was funny listening to him talk. About it. I said, "Well, you, that's your reputation, right? That you start franchise. Yeah, that's where it's worked. So, yeah, very proud of him." You're like, wow, you're so much cooler than me. Um, nice job. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? Because, uh, yeah, I mean, people say, well, I played in the NHL for 800 games, whatever it was. Uh, but if you look at his career, man, he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah, so really. He didn't play, he didn't have that long career in the NHL. But but he never he never hired you or tried to get you to, to work for him and through all these years? Like, because you got your buddies. Yeah, but you know what, though? we uh, Because I was an agent, we really never talked about it. But we both stayed away from each other because I didn't want to yeah. make it look uh, like I was asking him for favors and then he didn't want to, you know, vice versa. Like other people would say, well, Waddell and Laidlaw are like brothers. They played together and lived together in college uh, and they're taking advantage of that situation. So we never, right at the very end, uh, I think I did a contract for Chris Mason. Uh, uh, Goaltender? Don. Yeah, but I went for 20 years without doing any stuff. And uh, I think we just kind of both understood it's the way we kind of lived. We didn't want to be... Uh, like Don's a real classy, like character yeah. guy, and I hope I'm in that category too. And we didn't want to let like a lot of the other agents, general managers, have mm. relationships going on. Yeah, I, are you in what? that category though? I don't know. Oh yeah, totally. Oh yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, classy, classy and character classy. guy, character yeah. guy. Yeah, maybe I'll give you character guy. Classy, classy I sometimes. I, if I character. have to be, if I have to be classy, like in a nice setting like that, I can be that. It's not that I'm I'll, always. I'll give you the character guy for sure. You're definitely a character guy, player. But player. I can fit into the classy thing. I can walk into a living room or you know, the big, you know, whatever, act like a real total gentleman. It just, it just, you know. All right, if, you, if you're self appointed classy guy, I'll give it to you. Yeah. But yeah, part time, part time classy. How's that? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sometime classy guy, definitely yeah, character guy. When and Don Waddell, see, real good character guy, and yeah. it's good, a good friend of yours, and that's awesome that you had. You know, from can you again? You ask this all the time on the show, but can you imagine? You probably did on this shot in here. Can you imagine where you were 
freshman yeah. year at Northern Michigan to where you guys are now with you I know, know right? with this with this, ac- this accomplishments and this life. It's pretty awesome. I know. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, and that's and that was good. And he even uh, got a hold of me after the show, and you could tell he was surprised how much fun he had reminiscing about the old days. You know, telling old stories. So that's great. You know, that's a good thing. Like, there's different types of shows we've had, right? So the guys that I've played with and know really well, we tell old stories, things we did in the past. Yep. Then there's the other guys where I don't know them at all, and I really learn who they are. Yeah. And it kind of, and in most cases, I'm kind of shocked who you, you have this picture of who they are. You're sure. really not that at all. Like Eddie Belfour was like that. I was really surprised by you know. His character, you know, like he wanted to play for North Dakota and he had to wait for three years. Yeah, you probably thought he'd be like this screaming lunatic the whole time, yeah. right? And yeah. it wasn't like that at all. He was measured and calm and yeah. It was a very, very confident man, a very confident very man. And like when he went to Chicago, same thing. He could have gone other places, uh, but he wanted to play for Chicago Blackhawks. Didn't really think about the other goaltenders nah. there. He just, yeah, I was going to play. Yeah, so many guys have said they looked at the depth charts and they're like, okay, yeah. I'm not going to go here. I'll try on this team, which is pretty awesome. He's like, no, I like Chicago. I'm playing there. And yeah. he had to beat out Dominic Hashig and a first round pick, Jimmy Wade. Yeah. So yeah, so it's yeah. like, that, yeah. that's great too. And this, on this incredible journey we're on, it's great to hear these different stories and these different, yeah. you know, because this is life. We're, we're, again, I always say it's hockey cards come alive and it's it's pretty cool to see that, you know, to see these lives and it's awesome. And uh, that was a great story. Who's, and I was one of your good friends. Who's the guys that surprised you the most so far in all the shows we've done? That's a really good question. Uh, you know, I, in general, some guys who I thought would be big personalities were very low key. And some guys who were not such big personalities were amazing, you know? And then there's guys, like we mentioned Darren Lang the whole time. He was just awesome. He was just exactly yeah. the same as he yeah. was. You know? <laughs> um, I, I love the Dave Silk one because it generally, because he's such a nice guy and a nice guy to yeah. be too. But I could see like the friendship with you guys, which was cool. Yeah. And I, also, again, I say this all the time too. I'm not an NHL player, obviously, though I wanted to be. Um, just didn't have the ability. But these guys, the way they treat me is how I gauge how they are as yeah, human beings yeah. because I'm not a hockey guy. I'm just a producer yeah. of a podcast, you know, and they're, and some of them are just like a little big timing to me and others are just, just regular yeah. dudes. Dave yeah. Silk was probably one of my favorite ones, for sure. Yeah. Just a really Jim Kite was an interesting one too. I didn't know Jim Kite at all. That was an interesting story too. Ma- fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. And and yeah, he was very fascinating. Um, Glenn Healy was great. He was he was funny. Like everything was just funny, 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 funny. Um yeah, there's been so many good shows. I'm impressed. Uh, I, I'm really impressed with hearing these stories. You know, it's it's pretty awesome. Hopefully, people are learning from it. You know, yes. Yeah. You know, parents and kids that listen, they learn what to do and how hard work is pretty much the common denominator for all of you guys. No yeah. one, there's no slacking for any of you guys. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, it isn't always the high draft picks, too, right? Some guys have never been drafted that make it. Yeah. Well, one of your favorite quotes to say, not I didn't know that, but is, you know, I mean, this is a total compliment. You really got the most out of your career. And a lot of the guys have. They're not guys who you would think of as as yeah. scorers or talent guys, and they've yeah. made these long careers, you know? I mean, James Patrick, he was very talented, but he played, what, 22 years? Yes, I know. I didn't realize that too. Well, that was That's great. Jim Dowd played 17 years. Like, these yeah. are, and he wasn't a, he was a great guy, you know? So these guys, Dallas Drake, another one. Yeah. And these guys got the most out of their careers, and that's awesome. So Mike Allison, another guy. So there's so many good stories. And it's it is great. funny, but I do say that all the time, but it's genuine. Like, I really think that when I'm looking at these guys, I'm thinking, man, that guy got a lot out of his career, yeah. I, I think anyone who listens to the show knows everything you do is genuine. There's really no bullshit about you. It's it's And, and your fascination is real fascination. That I didn't know that is real. That's like, oh, I didn't know that. There's no sh- no BS. And that's that's, you know, again, that's a character thing. So yeah, Tom, I don't I don't want to pump your tires too much. I'm getting sick. I think I'm going to go throw up again now. You know what? Listen, we should do a whole show on you being nice to me and saying nice things about me. No, I got to go. I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw up. I got to go. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> See you, everybody. All right, grasshoppers. Thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time.